The following is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Welcome to Life as a Life Schooler, where we talk about how to merge life with homeschooling. I'm Danielle Papagiorgio, and today we are talking to Tina Hollenbeck. Tina and her husband have been home educating since she quit her job as a public government high school teacher just prior to giving birth to their older daughter, who is now 16. They also have another daughter, age 15. Tina was blessed to find amazing homeschool mentor moms when her kids were little, and in recent years has become an outspoken advocate, endeavoring to promote home learning whenever she's given the opportunity. She mentors prospective home educators in her local area and via her Facebook group, The Christian Homeschool Oasis, and enjoys speaking on various topics related to homeschooling and healthy parenting. She is a regular contributor to Learning Tangent magazine, serves as the volunteer staff writer for Celebrate Kids, Inc., and has co-authored a book entitled Celebrating Children's 12 Genius Qualities. In 2013, Tina launched an ongoing research project that culminated in the development of the Homeschool Resource Roadmap, and you can find a link in our uh, podcast description to that website, which is a database of information about more than 3,000 homeschool-oriented resource providers. Though initially focused on each company's position regarding Common Core, the roadmap has now expanded to offer a more detailed snapshot of each provider, giving home educators a one-stop shop for comparing and contrasting various options. Welcome, Tina. Hello. Tell us how you got started homeschooling. What kind of led you down this path? Well, my husband and I were uh, blessed, really, to meet one of the first modern pioneer homeschool families in our area right after we got married. And uh, my husband ended up kind of mentoring one of the sons in that family. And it always stuck with me that they were really different in a really cool way. Um, And my husband and I talked about it, but kind of tucked it in the back of our minds. And one thing led to another, and I ended up spending nine years as a public school teacher. Um, If I wasn't sure about homeschooling before then, my time and experience in the public schools confirmed for me that I never wanted my children in that kind of environment. Um, And I was convinced. Um, My husband was still a little bit leery because both his parents are retired public school teachers and just being older, they didn't really have any understanding of it and didn't feel comfortable. But he served for a little while as the interim youth pastor at our church. And so he got to know all the teenagers in that group, some homeschooled, some not. And he came in one day when we had toddlers, and he said, if this is what homeschooling does, these homeschooled kids can talk with everybody, they're comfortable, they're smart. If that's what homeschooling does, I want it for our kids. Hmm. And uh, so I had been on board praying and hoping, and he wasn't opposed, but that did it, so. That's great. So I I just love your story, that's awesome. it's interesting because so many people talk about you know the weird homeschoolers and and so i found it interesting that what you saw you didn't see weird homeschoolers you saw these kids that just really could you know like your husband said communicate well with all different age groups i think that stereotype um you know comes about from 
I mean, certainly you have sort of your pockets of a little bit different and more unusual homeschoolers. But I think that when you look at homeschooling as a whole, I agree with you. There's just something about homeschoolers, there's a maturity level there that you don't get when you're putting all of the kids in their same peer group. And they're oh, all on the same yeah. level, you know? Absolutely. And you know what? Um, if you really think about it, there's lots of weird kids who go to school, too. Exactly. <laughs> it's going to be weird. It doesn't matter where they have their education. They're going to be exactly. weird. And weird isn't bad, necessarily. So. No, it isn't. And I think it's just, it comes back to, to the whole idea of stereotypes. I mean, we always want to put people into these boxes and, and label and figure out, well, why, you know, why are they like this? But sometimes you get all types. You get all kinds, no matter whether they're homeschooling or public schooling or whatever. So um, definitely agree with you there. So, and I'm always fascinated too, fascinated too when um, someone with a background in teaching goes ahead and leaves that profession to homeschool. Obviously, with you that you know you saw a lot of the issues with public schooling and with the, the public school kids. But was that a difficult transition then to come out of that teacher mode and then try to be the homeschool mom? Because I know for so many people, myself included, there's this struggle of doing school in the way that, that we were educated and kind of taking everything um, you know, because it's what we know, it's what we've experienced, and especially, I think, as a teacher, when you've been very um, in indoctrinated, very, uh, you know, not to, I guess it's kind of a negative word, but it, it, to me it is kind of negative the way you're taught to look at education, but teachers, I think, have, have a harder time. Did you experience that yourself? You know what, absolutely, um, for a couple of reasons, and it's interesting because I used to, and not so much anymore, always get the comment that, um, oh, I could probably be a successful homeschooler because I was a classroom teacher, mm -hmm. and you know, but, quote, all those quote-unquote other moms, you know, what about them? Right. Um, <laughs> and I had to set those people straight because I think it was a lot harder for me in a lot of ways because I had that background in the schools. Um, mm -hmm. It's interesting to me, when I look back, you know, how, how God has used my life um, I was the perfect schoolgirl growing up and so I think harder than even un unindoctrinating myself from being a teacher it was because I was such a good girl when it came to the system and the way that schools do things that I had to really undo that hmm. um, but I did have to undo my school way of thinking as well just because of, of having gone through teacher certification and all of that um, but interestingly, um, I actually taught English as a second language, and uh, this would, would have been in the 90s because my older daughter is 16, and um, back at that time where I lived, they didn't really have standards and quite so much control over ESL at that time. They kind of didn't know what to do with us, and we, they let <laughs> us actually teach. <laughs> so um, I kind of had the freedom to close my door and do what came naturally, and I really think God used that to help me along the path of homeschooling because I wasn't very school style. Hmm. I ended up employing a lot of Charlotte Mason methods in my classroom without even ever her having heard of her before. Um, only in hindsight did I realize that that's what I was doing. So it was interesting because it was almost as if the Lord showed me uh, how to get out of the school mindset by being in the schools because of where he actually put me in that. Oh, wow. Um, that's but neat. it did take, you know, I, I spent my girls' entire preschool years trying to find lesson plans and this and that and everything, and only when they were about school age did I realize 
oh, wait a minute, I don't have to do things this way. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, that's so funny. it was a process, but uh, I'm very, really glad, obviously, that I walked the journey. So Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's really neat. I think Charlotte Mason is such a natural approach to teaching and and it just sort of, um, it's interesting that you had never read any of that, but realized later, oh, that's what I was doing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah, they don't teach that in teacher training programs whatsoever. Right, um, <laughs> right. yeah. Uh, yeah, John Dewey is put on a pedestal mm. and uh, Horace Mann, people like that, but you don't actually hear about any kind of natural education, so mm. to speak. Right, wow. Um, so tell us some of the books. I mean, obviously... Charlotte Mason, you said in hindsight, what were some of the, the books or uh, thinkers that really made an impact on you with your homeschooling journey? Well, in kind of in terms of that um, getting out of school style thinking, and, and I didn't read his work until my girls were a little older and I could actually read more than picture books for mm -hmm. in one setting, but um, John Taylor Gatto. Uh, yes. Really confirmed for me that all the stuff I had been feeling, even in the classroom and since I came home, uh, what, what he talks about the institutional school system and the research he's done just really put, um, I don't know, I, I guess put clothes on what I was feeling. Mm -hmm. uh, and so he's been amazing. Um, I like a lot of what John Holt writes. Um, obviously, not being a believer, some of his perspectives are a little bit different than what Christians would think, but I, he's got some good thoughts. I think I think that he's got some wisdom there. Um, and some of my favorites are um, a book called Eight Great Smarts by Dr. Kathy Cook. Um, she's actually the president and founder of Celebrate Kids, and so I write for her ministry as a volunteer, um, but she wrote that book when my girls were little. And so I was able to read it when they were very, very little and, and watch their development with her ideas in mind. Um, and, and that was great. Also, um, For the Children's Sake by Susan uh, McCauley. And then I love um, Connor Boyack's Passion Driven Education hmm. because he kind of takes John Holt's ideas and puts them in a Christian perspective. And hmm. it, it, I read, read it about a year ago and it absolutely blew my mind. So oh, wow. Well, I'll have to put that on my to-read list, which is yeah, ever-growing. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit then about how your family life schools. And just to remind our listeners, the definition of life schooling is the individualized process of discovering your child's God-given gifts and talents through real-life experiences that happen within the context of your family's unique situations and missions. So is there a part of that definition that really speaks to you? And, and what does this look like in your homeschool? Yeah, when I read your definition, and uh, you know, for your listeners, we, you and I met online just mm -hmm. a few weeks ago, right? But yeah. I saw your website and I read your definition, and I love it because um, one of my focuses has been on individualized instruction. Mm -hmm. um, that's one way that I was different even as a classroom teacher because I did everything I could within that system to individualize to the students I had. Mm -hmm. So that's always kind of been my heartbeat. And then with home education, for sure, that really sticks because um, I know that God has wired each human being to be unique and there's no two people alike. And I really felt like it was important to try to figure out uh, how he's wired each of my kids and what he was calling me to do to maximize what he's done inside mm -hmm. each of them. And so that part of the definition really resonates with me and obviously, you know, being God-led and God-driven. Um, and so what that looks like in our home, um, 
especially now that my girls are high school age, um, we've actually moved more and more toward more of a holistic, delight-directed, life-schooling approach as they've gotten older. So I kind of did the Charlotte Mason thing when they were younger um, and have moved more toward giving them more and more choice as they've gotten older um, and really talking with them. And, oh, another book I just remembered, and this ties in. So Okay. <laughs> um, the Joy of Relationship Homeschooling by oh. Karen Campbell is uh-huh. also amazing. And um, she talks about how obviously... Um, giving kids certain academic information and knowledge and skills is really important but if you do all of that without the context of a loving relationship then it's kind of like where that clanging gong that Mm. Paul talks about and um, so as my kids have gotten older and we always have talked about everything um, it just dawned on me that I shouldn't be putting education on them or in them it should Mm -hmm. be a process that we work about together Mm. Um, and if I trust that that he's that guy is working in them as he's working in me and in a way we're sisters in Christ even though I'm their mom exactly um, it only made sense to me that they become part of the process and not just have stuff done to them or being told what to do um, I and love that. perspective if we give them ability to choose now when they're in high school or even younger um, that just builds their decision-making skills for mm-hmm. later so it just seems to me that that we have to let them have buy-in in the process Absolutely. So that actually learn those skills. I love how you put that. I just listened to listening to you say all of that. It was just so oh, I just I just so agree with everything you expressed there. And I think a lot of it really comes back to respect, doesn't it? Because we're not just like you said forcing this education on them and doing this to them. <laughs> we're we're partners in this. We're and that's where it goes back to like you were saying the relationship we have to build that relationship we have to get to their hearts to know who they really are and if we if our education is um, individualized then it does require that relationship it requires us to get to know our children who are they who did God make them to be and Mm -hmm. and it really does hinge so much on relationship and I think I think so much of life does, really. You you read the Bible, and it's so much about relationship. It's about our relationship to the Lord. Jesus came, and he had a relationship with his disciples. And out of those relationships come all of all of the things we need to know and learn. So I love that. I, I love how you describe that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and he did relational teaching as well. And, mm-hmm. You know, I, mm-hmm. I know he went to the synagogue and everything, but so much of what he did was one-on-one or one-on-small mm-hmm. groups. And, and even, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, sure, that was a big speech, but that wasn't everything he did. So, right, exactly. That It's so true. And using a lot of illustrations and real-life experience and really getting to to where his listeners were and relating to them again it's 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 learning about these children and who they are absolutely sorry that's okay (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's about learning who these children really are so tell us then um give us a little bit more then about your typical homeschool day and i know i always say there's no typical day <laughs> everything well, I looks know, different i really laughed out loud when i when i saw that question <laughs> on the, the notes you sent me because typical seriously what? yeah i know <laughs> but yeah. give us an example like what how about yesterday for example what did what did that look like for you well and so you know i, I laugh at typical but um 
My husband's nickname for me is Rutina, and it's kind of <laughs> apropos. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I have grown so much in terms of, and having kids does this, you know, you either go crazy right. or you grow and you get flexible. Um, so I've, I've learned to become much more flexible with the day-to-day flow of life than I mm-hmm. was before. Um, but we do kind of try to have a typical routine, uh, never a schedule, um, and it's it, what we hope and plan for doesn't happen sometimes, and that's okay, but mm-hmm. um, what we usually do is, uh, my girls being teenagers, they love to sleep in a little bit, but um, they also have afternoon activities that are like scheduled lessons and things, so about a year ago we talked and I said, do you want to just sleep in, or would you, and then you'll do some book work in the mornings and then you might have some stuff to do after we get back from the stuff in the afternoon and they said no we'd rather drag ourselves out of bed (laughs) and get it all done by lunchtime and then when we do our outside stuff in the afternoon then when we come home we're just done so that was one um, time and example where I engaged them in the process because I was Uh willing to do it either way Um, but they decided that they'd rather do that so I, I get them up uh, and then we uh, we have uh, after they eat breakfast and do their other things, we have what I call morning meetup, and we just uh, sit around the table and talk for a little bit about the the day, um, anything going on, and then we pray together over the day. And and we have something we call the prayer jar, where we have friends and family's names um, on little sticks in this jar, and we've done it for years, but we keep doing it because you can't ever stop praying for people. <laughs> and uh, so we include that in part of our morning meetup time, and um, and after that. Um, I send them off to do their stuff and what we did again about a year and a half ago when they started high school officially I guess was um, I talked with them about uh, and of course I knew their kind of their thoughts and their ideas for after high school so kind of with that in mind I said well you know here's kind of what if you want to go to four-year college what admissions requirements are I know you guys aren't thinking in that regard but here's some ideas in that regard and here's what your dad and I really want you to be learning and doing and given that what else do you want to learn and study about right now and then um, what kind of resources do you want to use and I, I put a bunch of stuff out in front of them that I knew about and we talked about what they'd like to use and from that um, I came up with some general resources for them to use in particular, I guess, subject areas, for lack of a better word. Um, I wish I was a little bit more holistic about things and kind of unschooling-ish in a, in a way, but it works for my kids because they uh-huh. chose these particular resources, and because they chose them, it works well for them. Um, so we've had that set up for a while, and so when they get going after our morning meetup, they go off to their rooms or wherever they're going to be, and they start working on their things. Most of it isn't with me anymore. Um, but I'm here to answer questions and they do have a work with mom time where we're working on specific composition skills and things like that Um, and they just keep going until one o'clock and at one o'clock we stop for lunch and then after that most days there's something in the afternoon Um, one daughter takes piano lessons the other does voice and guitar they're in a homeschool choir this year which every other year is actually a musical and then one night a week they have youth groups so um, and all of that, because it's life schooling, all of that is educational. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, my philosophy is that if my child's awake, she's learning. So uh-huh. <laughs> it's uh, true. It's formal, and some of it's not. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I, you sound like the kind of person I need to hang around <laughs> because on the spectrum, I'm like way off on the unschooling side, <laughs> and I feel bad about that. Pardon. <laughs> I feel bad about that sometimes, but you know, 
you you said when you were talking, you know, I wish I was more unschooling. So it's funny because God has created us all uniquely. And I think we have to just remember that he put us as our parents, um, as our children's parent for a reason and as their teacher for a reason. And so, you know, we have to just kind of embrace who we are in one sense, but also hang around people that are not like us. So maybe we can come back to, to a balance somehow. <laughs> you know, you're, you're absolutely right about that. Um, I was just talking to somebody today and a phrase popped into my head, which I'm going to probably write about or talk about or something. Um, the, the phrase that popped into my head was the cult of the expert. Mm. Oh. I, I think our culture suffers from that. Yes. Um, we think that somebody else must know better. Somebody else has to have the answer. Mm. And we don't trust, primarily we don't trust God, because if we really yeah. trusted him, we would know just what you said, that God has chosen to put these particular children with me, mm-hmm. and your particular children with you, and he knows all our strengths and weaknesses, and he put our kids with each of us because he wants that to be, you know, what we can bring to them, that's what he has for them. Yes. Um, and as long as we're connected and tied in with him, he's going to lead us toward the right path with our kids. So we have to be always mindful and connected to him, mm-hmm. but we don't need all these outside people telling us what to do with our kids. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that, I love that phrase, the cult of the expert. <laughs> I think about that a lot, how we live in a culture that just, we have to have an expert for everything. I mean, we can't possibly know things on our own, or we can't possibly research on our own. We have to go to the experts for everything. <laughs> and um, I think that's dangerous. I think that's a really dangerous mindset because it it keeps us from thinking on our own, you know? So so I so agree you with know you. You what? It's part of the indoctrination of the school system. Yeah. And, oh, it is. You know, I- you said before you don't like to be negative, but it is actually true, and we know from reading John Gatto that that was the intent. Of right, exactly. So. Yeah, anyone who hasn't read his books really needs to because they're very eye-opening. And I think when I was a, a young homeschooler, um, and I was still kind of in that school mode, and I really ha- didn't understand these things, um, I saw someone recommended hi- recommend his book, the underground history of American education and I kind of thought to myself oh you know conspiracy (laughs) theorists kind of stuff (laughs) and I I didn't really understand I sort of brushed it aside but if you have an open mind and start really reading and researching you understand that really there is an agenda with public education and with with um, the way that everything was set up there is an agenda and we need to recognize that so definitely absolutely yeah and and uh, so much of it has come down to yes don't think for yourself just do what you're told mm-hmm. and and i think yes is when people tell me oh the schools are failing i actually tell them no they're wildly successful yes. but it's because <laughs> they're successful in something that they're not telling us they're doing but this is the goal it, right. it's not about education it's not about learning in the system not what the not the way we think it should be right um, exactly so. exactly well, I could talk about this stuff all day, <laughs> but I want to shift gears a little bit because I want to talk about your website. And I was poking around on there earlier today, and your research project is pretty huge and impressive. So tell our listeners a little bit about that and what led you to take on this big endeavor. 
Well, something I like to joke about, too, is that you know how the verse that says that God uses everything for his good? Mm-hmm. Uh, he even uses OCD-like tendencies for his good, <laughs> because that's kind of why I'm doing what I'm doing. That's funny. Um, it started in, in early 2013, um, and uh, just to back up a little bit, I obviously knew that Common Core was out there because I was a public school teacher. It wasn't there when I was there, but No Child Left Behind was there, and I, and I knew it, and I have friends who still teach in the schools, and so I heard that rumbling 2010 or so. And then in March of 2013, um, I, I was on a bunch of email lists and still am for different curriculum providers, and I got emails that week. Um, from two big name providers that proudly trumpeted the fact that they were going with Common Core. And I just about lost my lunch because they were big names. They are big names. If I said them, everybody would know them. And I thought I was scared because I thought even if somebody likes Common Core, and I don't think there's anything to like about Common Core, but even if somebody does, if everything is the same. If there's no choice, if every resource goes Common Core, then we lose our, our ability to choose for our kids. Mm. Um, and I have moved more and more away from formal curriculum, but the, you know, there's so many homeschoolers that rely on curriculum. And so I got really scared because I thought if everything goes Common Core, what will we have left if we don't want it? Right. And so I started to talk to some of my friends at that time. And uh, we started a little Facebook group, which has become the Christian Homeschool Oasis that we have now. Um, basically, it was, what are we going to do about this? And then I started hearing rumors about, oh, well, now this resource is coming for, and that one, and that one, too. But it was all unfounded, and there was no research behind it. And I, I'm a no-drama mama, and I like the facts. <laughs> and I didn't like the fact that, that um, rumors were being spread around. And so I said, well, somebody has to start actually contacting these companies and asking them. And I guess that's me. (laughs) And that's how it started. And I I confirmed with those two companies that I had first heard about that, yes, indeed, they did like Common Core, and they were going Common Core. And then I started contacting the other companies, and I asked the ladies in the group at the time, I said, so what else do you use? What other resource providers? And I'd been in homeschooling at that point, you know, what, 12, 13 years already. And I thought I knew all the providers of curriculum. Of course, I wasn't. I was just beginning my my foray foray into like non-traditional things. But I thought I knew a lot, and I thought, well, there'll be like 300 companies I have to contact. <laughs> it's a lot. And now the roadmap has over 3,000 companies. Wow! I know <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing when I looked on there. I'm like, oh my goodness, because like you, I kind of thought I had heard it all, or you know, the majority. And it's unbelievable the number of resources that are out there. So I think not only do you provide an important service for weeding through who's Common Core aligned, who's not, but also just to know what else is out there. You know, it's it, there's so much we have access to. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, it started out with the Common Core thing in mind, but I've expanded it. So right now there's a, there's a subject area project where I took all those resources and I divided them out by subject. And now I'm in the midst of another upgrade, which I'm so excited about. And if if I actually ever get it up and it doesn't kill me first, <laughs> it's going to be amazing because um, I'm going to have uh, the resources listed by what religion, faith, faith, or, or worldview they follow. Oh. Um, I'm going to have which ones are free because some people really struggle financially and they need to have free or low-cost resources. Mm. And so I've been going through every website again, detailing all these different other ways of looking at resources so that maybe someone doesn't really care about Common Core, but they want to know, well, which science things are young earth? I only Mm -hmm. want that. 
and I'm going to have categories for all those different things so that people can come to the roadmap and they can see what's out there and they can kind of go with what they want to start browsing and searching by. Wow, that's amazing, and it sounds like it just sort of happened. <laughs> it did, you know, I didn't plan it, um, but, you know, God just dumps those things in our lap at times, mm-hmm. and, and going back to what he said, you know, he uses how he wired us. I, I really right. do kind of have these OCD tendencies, but <laughs> I can redirect them toward making sure that everything gets uh, contacted and, and learned mm-hmm. about. And what I love, too, is that through the process, I've learned about all these alternative types of resources. And I actually think that using the roadmap or doing the roadmap has helped me to become less structured, less textbook-oriented, more life school-oriented, because I I see that people can use all kinds of non-book resources because they're out there. Hmm. And I never would have known about them before if I hadn't done the roadmap. So. Wow, that's really neat. I think it's such a valuable resource to people. So I'm really glad that you could share about that. And tell us, we're going to put the link in the description of the podcast, but um, tell us what the name of the website is or the uh, URL. The, the, home, the Homeschool Resource Roadmap. So it's www. I think it was HS Roadmap. Yes. Okay. HSRoadmap.org. Okay. Well, awesome. Wonderful. So I hope our listeners will go ahead and check that out. So I heard this quote not long ago by a pastor on the radio. It went something like this. Passion is not something that you develop, but rather something that you discover as God shows you what he has already called you to do. And that quote just really resonated with me because that's been my experience with um, starting the Life Schooling Conference. And um, it's just really a passion in me that I saw a spark of years ago and then God allowed this whole thing to develop. So what would you say that your biggest passion is as you carry out your mission? Um, Well, for my kids, um, the verse that we hone in on for them is Luke 10, 27, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And that's kind of our mission, um, a family mission statement, so Mm -hmm. to speak. Um, So that's for them. And they're 15 and 16. um, One of my greatest regrets is that they're almost done, really, Hmm. in a sense. (laughs) Um, Because I enjoy them so much, and I don't really want to send them off. But I know, you know, time is, we're getting there. But um, so for them, uh, if if the Lord allows us to kind of instill that in our girls so that that's their heartbeat as they leave our home and, and go off on the things that he has for them, um, that's my passion for them um, because that's so relationship-based in, in so many facets mm-hmm. um, and it covers everything, I think. Um, but then also because I'm in this phase of life where uh, I'm, I'm almost done with the direct homeschooling thing, God has allowed me to do the roadmap and do other things uh, to become uh, kind of a mentor, I, I hope and pray. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I think that I'm just going to be continuing on all of that. Um, and one of my passions in that regard has become um, helping homeschoolers to see that they they don't have to follow the system. Uh, I, one of the things that really grieves my heart is to see so many homeschoolers who love their kids so well and they want to do right by their kids and they think that they have to follow what schools do at home. Yeah. Even if they're using Christian homeschool materials, they just feel like unless they're doing things like the school system, they're failing their kids, and they're tearing themselves apart over it. They're they're wrecking relationships with their kids. Yeah. And they don't understand that they're free, 
from all of that. Yes. Um, you know, and you can be. Even even people in Pennsylvania, which have the most horrible homeschool reg- regulations ever, you can still life school, and you can still follow your kids' design. Um, and that really has become, I think, one of my main passions, is to show families that they are free to educate as the Lord leads, like we were talking before, mm-hmm. and that they can get out of this cult of the expert and, and turn to the one and only expert, really. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, instead, and really trust that he's given them what they need. Amen. Well, you and I have shared in that passion for sure. Um, Because I could have said everything you just said, so definitely, definitely agree with you there. And it's true. Our these parents need to understand the freedom that they have. I was going to mention this earlier, and I um, had forgotten. But I know when I started homeschooling, again, like so many, I thought that it had to be school at home, and I sat my three-year-old at the time because he just he was ready to read he was just that way sat him down for I believe it was about um, ended up being five or six hours every morning (laughs) to do school because we had to go through each subject you know and that's how long it just took Um, and that's that doesn't work it doesn't work at home it doesn't work for a three-year-old and but you know I thought that's what I was supposed to do because I was following the curriculum and so people need to be set free from that they need to understand that um, they could do school in a way that works for the family and that doesn't destroy relationships and 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 harm their kids you know so right. it's, it's not less rigorous I, I was just at a, right. a local talk where I was part of a panel discussion of uh, last month I guess it was and the feel from some of the other panelists was that if you're not doing, especially in high school, if you're not mm-hmm. doing school style, you're somehow harming your kids because you're not mm-hmm. being rigorous. And I, I hate that word, but yeah, <laughs> me too. That you're not being rigorous in their education. And I didn't think at the time to to say what I've thought since. It's not less rigorous to follow how your child is wired. It's a different kind of rigor. Exactly. You know, it's not the factory style that the schools do, but that, that it's actually more intense. And like you said earlier, we have to really know our kids and be in relationship with our kids to really figure out a path that God has for each of them. So mm-hmm. it's actually a lot more rigorous if we use right. that term to actually follow each one's passions. That's a really good point. I like how you worded that. Definitely. Well... Tina, it has been such a pleasure to talk to you today, and I feel like we could stay on this call for another hour because I'm just so enjoying it, and and it's been a pleasure to have you on. So thank you for joining us. Oh, my pleasure, too, and if you want to have me back sometime, I'd love to. Absolutely. We'll definitely have to do that. And that's Life as a Life Schooler. Hope you'll all join us next time.